I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Reload Podcast. I'm Kyle Boone, and joined with me today, Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, we foreshadowed last week that uh, more good news was on the way when we broke down the commitment of Raymond Gay, and look what we have here. Some more good news. Four-star recruit, Colin Oliver, committed to Oklahoma State. We called it, right? I think you called it. I was. I think I was a little too scared. I think I wimped out on making the prediction, but you definitely called it. I think we, we'll have to go back and check the tape, but I'm pretty sure I tried to call my shot, and then you just like called your shot with me. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think I we can on the say, bandwagon. yeah, we can say we were both right. Um, thank you all for listening for that uh, for that last episode. By the way, um, appreciated the kind kind words. Uh, be sure to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. That way more OSU fans uh, can get to know the podcast and we can do more pods like it in the future. Uh, let's, let's get to the news, Ragusa. Um, your, your reaction to Colin Oliver committing to Oklahoma State, he's the highest rated commitment in Oklahoma State's 2021 recruiting class right now. Big deal or uh, what's, your, what's your initial take on it? No, it's a big deal. Anytime yeah. Oklahoma State can get defensive players that are this talented it's huge for them I I know I was reading I think it was on 247 about him being the highest rated defensive recruit in like the last six recruiting cycles for Oklahoma State since Darian Daniels I believe yep um that's I mean that's just huge when they can get guys because they're able to get you know talented guys at quarterback wide receiver but when you can get guys like that on the defensive side in the big 12 that's huge yeah, it's, it's massive, and you mentioned it. He's the highest-rated defensive commitment um, since, since Darian Daniels in 2015. That checks out. If you look at Oklahoma State's all-time history in signees, in, since recruiting rankings were formulated, and that is in the early 2000s, he ranks 22nd among all defensive recruits in OSU history. He's fourth highest among all linebacker signees now the big caveat obviously is he is a commitment and not a signee so they are non-verbal agreements they can get out of those just as quickly as you send a tweet but uh it's it's nonetheless a huge deal for Oklahoma State you you nailed it that uh Oklahoma State you know to land a player of his caliber is obviously huge but landing a player of his caliber that will play defense is I think even more uh, massive just because you know you look at the talent level that they brought in 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 recent years it really has not been this high on the defensive end of the ball and uh, perhaps this is kind of a sea change moment for Oklahoma State to kind of take its recruiting up a level and um, you know hopefully that would uh, that would be the case with with Oliver committing now, last year uh, they had Brendan Walker committed to Oklahoma State he ended up flipping to OU so some cautious optimism around Oliver knowing that, uh, you know, you, you can get out of that, but you know, what did you, I know you watched some Colin Oliver tape. What was your impression of, of Colin Oliver from last season? It looks like he was limited throughout the season with some sort of injury, but the tape that you saw, you were pretty impressed, right? 
Yeah, so what I've read is that he struggled with several different injuries last season. He had an insane year two years ago. Uh, Really nice stats there. But I tried to find a game that he was playing in. I found the game against Mustang uh, because they're pretty – they were a pretty good team last year. I think they were like seven and four. Yep. Uh, Edmund Santa Fe also had a good season. I think they went like eight and three, but it, I'm not a hundred percent sure how many games he played in. Cause there's four games worth of stats on max preps, but I've seen several different articles written that say he played in six, but either way I watched him in the Mustang game. He primarily played, if you watch his huddle tape, there's clips of him playing all over. He's lined up with his hand down in the ground on the defensive line. He's uh, lined up over a receiver in the slot. He's an inside linebacker. He's an outside linebacker. He's coming off the edge. Um, I watched him in the Mustang game. He primarily lined up at middle linebacker, but they moved him all over. It's really similar. It would be something to think about like what Oklahoma State does with guys like Trace Ford and Jordan Brailford. Yeah. He was lined up behind the nose card and Blitz just right behind him on a play, lined up off the edge. He had his hand in the ground. Um, he was on a field goal block unit team. But like I said, primarily middle linebacker. The main thing that stood out to me is he is a ferocious tackler. Uh, he actually got called for a horse collar in the Mustang game and the game that, I, game that I watched. It wasn't a – obviously, that's not a great penalty to get, but they changed that rule to where it's also the nameplate, so the outside of the jersey, which huh. I think is a little dumb. I know it's for safety reasons, but that's what he got called for. So it was it was a pretty legit tackle, but it's breaking the new rules, I guess. But he not only wraps guys up, and if he doesn't just take them straight to the ground, he like power bombs them into the ground. It, it was pretty impressive to watch. He had eight tackles in that game and three for loss. Um, like I said, they sent him on the blitz. I saw Gabe Brooks, um, an analyst for 247, and his breakdown of him, he said that he would like him to get in a little bit more pass coverage situations. Mm. But he, he was in quite a bit in that Mustang game. So maybe, you know, I only watched the one game and then his huddle tape, but – he dropped back into zone coverage and then he was lined up over the slot a couple of times. So, and I thought he did really well. I know on his, uh, on his huddle highlight tape, you see him with a pass defense and then he has the interception on a little screen pass, but the dude's all over the place. And that might be his only fault that I saw on tape. He's a little bit, maybe too aggressive downhill at times, maybe runs past the play. Uh, that was really the only negative I saw. He's really fast. I know he, I know he does high jump, I believe, long jump in the shot put, shot put and track. So he's a multi-sport athlete. You can tell he's super athletic. And honestly, he might be a little bit quicker side to side. He also is a little bit smaller than Trace Ford, or was at that age when I was watching Ford at uh, Edmond Santa Fe. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Uh, Colin Oliver is listed. Um, at six foot two, 220 pounds. Um, he's, he's listed as an inside linebacker, but, you know, I talked to him last week and, uh, he, he is kind of a versatile pass rusher. He can do a lot of different things. I, I thought, I think the Gabe, Gabe Brooks, um, mentioned about maybe dropping into pass coverage is pretty interesting because that's kind of what Trace Ford did last season at times where he's playing off the edge, he's rushing the quarterback, but, you know, it, at times in OSU's system, he was, like, dropping back and, like, playing cornerback, um, yeah. which, which is weird and, like, freakish for – not only for a freshman, one, but for a freshman who's six foot three, two 230 pounds and primarily plays, like, linebacker defensive end. 
Um, so that skill set, I think, is super, super interesting. Uh, one observation I had looking at some of the recruiting rankings over the years. So in 2016, uh, Calvin Bundage from Edmond Santa Fe was the highest rated Oklahoma State signee in the class. You know, this this is outside of Tremonda Moore, who, who signed with OSU but did not land at OSU, obviously. Um, so obviously he was the highest rated defensive signee in that class as well. You look at the 2019 recruiting class, Trace Ford from Edmond Santa Fe was the highest rated defensive signee in the class. And now, so long as uh, Oklahoma State is able to sign Colin Oliver, I would imagine he winds up to be OSU's highest rated defensive signee in the class and, and perhaps the highest rated signee in the class overall. So a pretty impressive pipeline actually going from Edmond Santa Fe to Stillwater and Bundage, I think, should have a big year this season, assuming he is fully healthy and back. Trace Ford, I think, has all Big 12 slash All-American potential, just based off what we saw in spurts last season. Um, so that uh, that's a pretty impressive pipeline, honestly, and, and I think it could continue to pay off for Oklahoma State, just having that pipeline from Edmond Santa Fe to Oklahoma State. It, it's not necessarily like a power school in the state that I would consider, um, but yeah, like the, those three guys are – like really, really good. Well, and the other reason the pipeline is a good thing, not just because these guys are so good, like you said, which is a great point, but Santa Fe's using these guys, how Oklahoma State's using them. Yeah. They're using Trace Ford all over the field in coverage, blitzing at linebacker, coming off the edge. And then he's doing that at Oklahoma State. And you see that with Oliver in the tape I watched from him at Santa Fe. And he'll be able to translate that really well. I mean, Santa Fe runs that, three down linemen set like Oklahoma state's kind of switched to in recent seasons. And so he should be able to translate really well schematically into Oklahoma state Jim Knowles defense, which will be awesome. I, just looking at his two, four, seven ranking at, at 94 star, it's yep. really similar to where Ford was at. It is. And honestly, just watching what I've watched so far, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I think he could be a player like that. Like, like you mentioned, he's a little bit smaller, but I think that's a proper rating. I know we've had a lot of talk in the pistols firing forum about stars and ratings recently, but I do think this one's accurate. Yeah. I would probably think I, on the surface, I think maybe Oliver is maybe a tad ranked too high and Ford was maybe a tad ranked too low, but I think both are four, four and a half star type players, like very, yeah, very agreed. good prospects. Ford, I think probably had the physical tools to be more prepared to contribute right away. And obviously we saw that last season where he's making an impact as a true freshman. Oliver, I think his long-term potential um, is, is maybe even higher just because if he, he kind of fills out into that frame and kind of fills his potential – uh, I think I think the sky's the limit. So it'll be interesting to see. I, last week when I talked to Colin Oliver, I asked him about kind of what position he would play. And here's the here's the quote he gave me. I put on PFB Plus it says, "I love the fit. They have a great academic program. You know, in case football doesn't work out for them. I've already talked with the academic staff a few times, and they're really cool. Uh, but I like the position they're going to put me in on the field." They're going to put me in that hybrid linebacker defensive end position, the one Trace Ford is playing. The it's Leo. a perfect the the Leo. Yeah, you're you're speaking uh, you're speaking <laughs> Adam Lund's language there. It's a perfect position for me and where I see myself in the future. Then you add the great coaching staff, the fan base. It's just all there. 
uh, being just an hour away makes it all so easy. And it's all right there. Um, he, he went on to talk a little bit about Calvin Bundage, And I asked him about kind of that Edmund Santa Fe pipeline. And he said, Calvin definitely motivates me more than anything just because of his work ethic. I, it sounds like they've been training together, uh, but he, he, he talked about how powerful he plays the game, even dating back to his days at Santa Fe really stood out to him. He's a really good guy to look up to. And, and he may note that he's not saying anything bad about Trace Ford, but Calvin is kind of the mentor slash leader that he kind of aspires to be. So that was kind of some interesting insight I got from him right before his commitment. I guess it was last Thursday. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds, but nonetheless, a huge, huge commitment and yeah. bump, bumped OSU up like 10 spots in the recruiting rankings nationally. Yeah, that was huge. And actually you just, you just kind of brought something to light for me, just kind of looking at, I just pulled Bundage's profile up real quick on the website. Cause I wanted to see what he's listed at again, but Honestly, I know people have Trace Ford on their brain because, you know, Bundage was out last season and this guy, Oliver, could fit a similar role. But I think Bundage is more of a comp for him than Trace Ford. Kind of what I hit on earlier when watching his film, just that ferocity and kind of maybe over-aggressive at times. I think I'd compare him more to Bundage than Trace Ford at this point. I think he's got the overall athletic talent to be like Ford, but I think the way he plays is similar to Bundage. So that was – a good point by you kind of talking about that quote. Yeah, both. Um, like I think Ford is probably a little bit more built out and physically, I think he's more ready to compete with some of the offensive tackles to try and gain an advantage. But Oliver, you look at kind of his frame and how he stands and how he moves. He is kind of like the more linebacker type. Now I think that you put him on the edge and ask him to rush the quarterback. He's going to be able to do that in a high level eventually, but yeah, I think I think the comp is if you're comparing Edmund Santa Fe guys, it's probably more to Bunges than it is to Ford. Despite the fact that he's going to play the same position um, that that Ford plays. Now, here's the big question, though: Will OSU be able to keep Colin Oliver in the fold? Because <sighs> this is kind of the million dollar question that you know I wrote an article earlier this week just talking about you know OSU's had really good success recruiting the linebacker position. But they've also had some unfortunate luck in losing some of those recruits. Now, in recent years, it has really come to light. This past recruiting cycle, um, Josh White from Texas committed to Oklahoma State, ended up decommitting and going to sign with LSU. Brendan Walker, an in-state kid from Bishop McGinnis, was a superstar linebacker recruit, committed to Oklahoma State, ended up flipping to OU, and then a few years before that, Levi Draper, who um, was, you know, one of the top recruits in the country, definitely a top three recruit in the state, committed to Oklahoma State, um, in part because I think OU kind of slow played him. He ended up flipping and signing with OU, and now he's uh, going to finish his career at Arkansas. But we know OSU, OU is interested in Colin Oliver. They did not make an offer to him before the pandemic started. So, um I guess that can you answer the million dollar question is, is Colin Oliver going to sign with Oklahoma state? Cause I think that's probably the anxiety question uh, that most OSU fans are asking themselves. I actually think he is. I think with that bondage connection, that trace forward connection, kind of knowing that role he's going to play and it being something similar to what he likes to do and what he's doing currently at Santa Fe. I think he does. I, I know 
obviously with the examples you gave, there's some fear in Oklahoma State fans, including myself, that he could flip to uh, the in-state rival. But I personally think that he stays and, and, and commits and signs with Oklahoma State. I think so, too. Um, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it's hard to ignore some of those examples. And really, over the years, there's there's been kind of a painful history of, like, not star recruits necessarily flipping, but like really good recruits flipping. Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, during the Greg Gadkins era where offensive line recruits who are really highly touted, even some within the state ended up committing to OSU and then flipping to Texas A&M. It felt like every other week there for a little while. Um, so, you know, I think this is always going to be something that OSU probably has to be a little bit concerned about, or at least cognizant about knowing that, uh, the, there's always lurkers out there that will try and poach OSU recruits, particularly late in the process when maybe they're looking to upgrade their school. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think there's a chance that Colin Oliver stays with this Oklahoma State commitment. It sounds like he's really invested um, in the academic side of things at Oklahoma State. It sounds like he he wants to study business, and that would be a good thing. And uh, I think the Edmund Santa Fe's connection uh, could help OSU as well. Um, let's move on to one final incoming recruit for this upcoming season. Oliver is going to be on campus in 2021. D Anderson, an LSU transfer wide receiver is officially, uh, part of the Oklahoma state program. OSU didn't quite announce him, but they've started releasing graphics and he's included in them. Um, so I guess it's official now that he has signed his, uh, financial aid agreement with Oklahoma state. I know you are an LSU diehard, Dustin Ragusa. So tell me about this D. Anderson cat. Yeah, so I went back and watched the Auburn and Mississippi State games, not from last season, because he didn't play. Uh, Coach O said that he came in with some conditioning issues, didn't meet the requirements, so he didn't play in 2019. Mm. But he did play in 2018, and when – if you just search D. Anderson and look at his stats, 20 receptions, 274 yards, one touchdown, that doesn't look like much. But if you look at the LSU offense from that season as a whole, 274 yards is 90 away from being the second leading receiver on the team. And his 20 receptions is three away from being tied for the second most receptions on the team. So Justin Jefferson just had way more receptions, way more yards than everybody else. So he was still a part of the offense. They just spread the ball around so much. They have so many guys on that team as they do every year at the wide receiver position. And so it watching the A&M game or uh, watching the Auburn game, watching the Mississippi state game, it was really weird to see. I was telling you this a little bit off air he would make a catch and then you wouldn't see him for 12 snaps. And then he would come back in, make a nice block, make a catch. And then you wouldn't see him just because they were rotating so many guys in and out with Jefferson, with Jamar Chase, with Foster Moreau, with Jonathan Giles, all these different guys on the team. But he looked really good. He was mainly running slants and comebacks when I saw him. They threw one fade route to him. Uh, Burrow underthrew it and ended up getting picked off by an underneath defender. He didn't really even have a shot at it. He actually made – D'Anderson made the tackle on the play to save a big run. He actually knocked the guy out at, like, the two-yard line, so that actually helped him out on defense. 
But uh, he looked good. He didn't drop any pass that came to him, made some nice catches, had one nice run after the catch. Uh, he's, he's a really good-looking player out there at 6'5", about 200 pounds. Oh, yeah. He, bl- he, bl- he blocks really well, too. I, I was telling you, he kind of reminded me of Marcel Aitman with the way he blocks. But I think if he can clear up whatever conditioning, whatever maybe uh, issues he had at times in the locker room, if he can clean all that up, I think he's a guy with his size and with his ability as a blocker that can come in and take snaps right away and, you know, really help this offense out when they lost some guys in the offseason. So yeah, I'm down. I look I look at the size at six foot five, roughly two hundred pounds, and I'm automatically impressed. The kid's from DeSoto, so you know he's a he's Texas born and raised. Coming out of high school, this kid's pedigree was ridiculous. Four-star recruit, top 200 national recruit. Uh, LSU offered, Alabama offered, Indiana offered. He ended up signing with LSU. And obviously, he didn't quite meet his ceiling at LSU and last season didn't even play. But you look at kind of the, the pedigree that he has, the high school production that he had, six foot five. I mean, he, he, he really fits a need for Oklahoma State because they need someone who is a big body in the red zone, a guy who, you know, Spencer Sanders can kind of throw jump balls up to. It, obviously, they already have Jelani Woods, but this is another outside option um, that I, I think can be a real threat. He tweeted earlier this week, said, I haven't even touched my prime yet. Imagine that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he yeah. could be in for a big year. He's, he was listed on the depth chart. I went and just made sure. I thought I remembered this right, but I went and grabbed a depth chart from one of the games that season. He's listed behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I mean, those are two of the best receivers in college football yes. last season. And so it's not like he's just some scrub that LSU threw off to the side. Mm-hmm. He's a really talented guy. Justin Jefferson, uh, for those who maybe aren't deep in the weeds like uh, Dustin is, First round pick, I think he went like number 24-ish overall. Jamar Chase almost certainly will be the first wide receiver taken in the 2021 NFL draft. Will for sure be a Blitnikoff finalist at least next season. Um, two like transcendent wide receiver prospects. So yeah, there's there's uh, the situation obviously wasn't good for him at LSU. And I'm kind of leery to be optimistic about someone who literally didn't play a season. Um, but, you know, I think you look at where he's going to fit in OSU's system, the need that OSU has, it kind of could be a perfect fit. And OSU has had some pretty good success in the past with LSU to OSU guys. You're talking about uh, Tyron Johnson level production. So, he's not going to come in and be the number one option. I, do, I don't think that will be the case. You've got too many, too many guys with, you know, Dylan Stoner, the guy named Tylen Wallace is coming back. Should be, uh, should be in for a big year. Uh, Braden Johnson will be getting some targets as well. But you know, if you're talking about a guy who fits kind of a need, I think the, that's kind of a perfect addition for Oklahoma state. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. I actually, my mind just went blank. What, uh, Jordan McRae. I think that yeah. he will play more than Jordan McRae did. If, as long as he doesn't come in and, you know, cause any issues in the locker room or anything, I think he's more talented than him. Yeah. So 
little bit bigger um, weight wise, about the same height. So I think I think you could expect if he comes in, puts his head down, and works, he's more talented than McCray, and I think he will get more snaps than McCray did last season. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And you know, it's it's interesting because Oklahoma State kind of targets those big bodied receivers. Like you look at Marcel Aitman, you mentioned um, Patrick McCoffman was a guy who they they plucked out of the junior college ranks. Um, he was a six foot six guy out of Inio, formerly out of Douglas High School in Oklahoma City. Uh, CJ Moore, another big bodied receiver. Now he wasn't physically uh, mature, but he, you know, six foot five receiver. And some of those guys have not hit in years past. Now Jordan McRae, I think you could say he was successful given his role. Um, but yeah, I think D Anderson's upside as like a you know, Jordan McRae on steroids type player um, is is very, very valuable on Oklahoma State's offense, particularly when you've got a, kind of a young quarterback that you want to uh, groom to be like an all Big 12 caliber type player. And uh, so I, I think uh, the addition of D. Anderson is huge. Um, and, and I know you watch tape and I and I trust your evaluation. So hopefully he <laughs> will. Um, Thank you. I know you watched all the tape from, uh, yeah, from his uh, short time at LSU. So hopefully he'll come in and, and make an impact right away. I, it sounds like more the off-field um, concerns with him ta- physically and, and his talent-wise. I don't think there's any question. He's he's going to be really good. Definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Please, everyone, uh, go to iTunes right now. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a review um, about anything you want, about the, the quality of this podcast, about how much you enjoyed it. Um, it will help spread the word to other Oklahoma State fans who maybe don't know about our content. And we want to continue churning out these types of podcasts about Oklahoma State recruiting. And um, so that will allow us to do that in that, uh, in that setting. So, Thank you for doing that in advance. Hopefully we will, back, we will be back here soon. It sounds like uh, Oklahoma State's got its eyes on a few targets and potentially a commitment in the near future. So, Dustin, we may be back here soon. Sounds good to me. Okay. Thanks, man. See you.